Captain DeBridge. Spock here. Make it so. Surrender is not an option. Attention crew of the Enterprise, this is James Kirk. We are all explorers, driven to know what's over the horizon, what's beyond our own shores. We would have helped you get home if you had asked. That's who Starfleet is. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to a special patron-only episode of The Secrets of Star Trek. Joining me today is Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Father Corey's not available today, so it's just going to be the two of us. Uh, as you may know, CBS All Access recently launched the new animated Star Trek series called Star Trek Lower Decks. And so as a special benefit to patrons, we're discussing our first impressions of each episode and sharing them exclusively with you, our patrons. The latest episode is called Cupid's Errant Arrow. Uh, I, I want to start by mentioning this is one definitely not one for the kids. Uh, yeah. There's nothing explicit in this one, but there are bleeped out words and like visually blacked out body parts and euphemisms. Well, and there's one visually blacked out body part. Yes. Yes. Uh, the, <laughs> right. Uh, and so they they take this in a more grown up direction, shall we say, uh, than mm -hmm. they have before. So it's cl they're clearly placing this as an animated series for the grown ups more than not. It's not a kid series. So our basic framing story here is we have a moon that is dangerous and is going to fall out. Uh, it needs to be demolished. Yep. It, it needs to be imploded. And there are two planets, one of purple people, one of red people, that are endangered by it. And so the the Cerritos has been sent with a different but similar class ship that specializes in difficult engineering missions. Um, and the two ships together are going to uh, deal with the moon. Yes. And so that's what the main officers are dealing with, what the bridge officers are dealing with. The captain in particular is trying to deal with negotiations between the red and the blue people, I mean, the red and the purple people. And, um, and, and, that then gives us the backdrop for what's happening with our main characters, the Lower Decks crew. As usual, we have an A story and a B story with the A story focusing on Mariner and uh, Boimler mm -hmm. and the other focusing on Tendi and Rutherford. Oh, I'm blank. Rutherford. Yeah. Uh, and so the A plot with um, with Mariner and Boimler is Boimler has a girlfriend from the other ship for reals and she's <laughs> and she and she's hot and uh based on traumatic events in her own past mariner assumes that the girlfriend must be something evil yes. and so she sets out to prove that she's some kind of evil destructive thing that is going to harm Boimler. Right. Uh, meanwhile, in our B plot, Tendi and Rutherford are over on the other ship geeking out as tech geeks about something called a T-88, which isn't on the market yet, but they have them on this other ship. And there's little handheld devices that you can apparently do stuff with, like perform scans. And they are geeking out over over these T-88s and they've been put in competition with each other and told whoever finishes their tasks first gets to keep one. Yes. So they are in a vicious competition with each other to complete their tasks first. So I like the fact that it's, where it's interesting. The 
when they have this, the people of this planet being in denial about their unstable moon, about the danger, uh, they kind of re- re- reflect, well, we pray to the moon so you can't destroy it. Well, it controls the tides for our summer crop. Oh, people live there. Oh, the government's just making it all up. We, so they're kind yeah. of like... <laughs> to control us. The, control, the government's making it up to control us. Right. So kind of pulling out all the conspiracy theories that we see in real life about various things uh, that people... Yeah, but it's still a moon that's about to <laughs> crash, you know, destroy your planet. No, no, it's not real. Uh, so... I, I like how the captain deals with it. Uh, she she um, She kind of ignores the government is making it up to control us one. Yeah. But for all the others, she's got a solution. It's like, okay, we're going to transport three tons. We're going to transport down three tons of dirt from the moon for people to worship. We're going to use gravity generators to generate the tides you need for your crops. And we're going to relocate everyone from this, from the fifth moon to the sixth moon, which will now technically be the fifth moon. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And then the, the final objection comes from this, this one guy who seems to be dressed in much more finery than the others who says, and he's the, the only, red guy he's from the other endangered planet right and he says um oh it it'll cause waste products to to come into our planet and so therefore it's not it, it's no good it's good i'm gonna kind of close the loop and on this one because we should because that's yeah. not this is not really important plot turns out the only people who live on this other moon is him and his wife <laughs> Yeah, but he's, he, he pitches it as you're going to destroy our civilization. You're going to have blood on your hands, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right. And and then it turns out there it's just him and his wife. And as soon as she learns that, and this is a this is a callback, I'm real sure, to Star Trek Insurrection. Yes. Which was about do we do we do we apply the prime directive to a group of like 200 people? Right. <laughs> and and so they've reduced it to just two. And Mariner, the captain, has specifically said the prime prime directive doesn't even apply here because these people are Federation citizens. Yes. <laughs> um. And and when she learns there's just two people on the inner planet, she's like implode the moon. <laughs> right. She's like, and, Done. and the guy like sinks to his knees and raises his arms in rage. And it's like we just redid the floors. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah, and that's the, I mean, that's a funny, a funny guy, but it's not the important thing. So, uh, Boimler's girlfriend's name's Barbara. He met her a month ago. She's on the other ship called the Vancouver. It's parliament class. Uh, so, um, and Mariner accuses Boimler of making her up. Um, it's that classic, the kid who had the girlfriend at summer camp. Sure you did. Yeah, this is, I, I love a line early on, uh, where he's, he's, He's talking to Mariner and Mariner's like, so when we meet your girlfriend, it's going to like weirdly going to need to occur on the holodeck, right? <laughs> yes. and, and and he says, I don't do that anymore. Anymore. <laughs> so apparently he's had made up holodeck girlfriends before. <laughs> so it turns out that Barbara is a lieutenant. And she, like as she said, she's really good looking. She's really into Boimler, surprisingly. Uh, and then they run into one of the Cerritos' crewmates. They're one of their crewmates from the Cerritos on, on the Vancouver named jet uh because he and he's tall handsome uh and barbara and jet are very friendly and very touchy-feely like she jumps on him uh and it turns out uh they're exes they used to be yes, yeah yeah they used to be boyfriend and girlfriend and boimler's suspicious and Beck. i mean boimler's jealous beckett is suspicious uh and then they have a line that guy's like a kirk sunday with trip tucker sprinkles 
<laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised I didn't get a Riker in there somewhere. Uh, I would have thought Riker sprinkles because Riker had a reputation of being the ladies' man much more than Trip Tucker. I think I just think Trip Tucker makes it even funnier. It's just like that one level, uh-huh. like further removed. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So so now we have a typical sitcom plot. I mean, first we had the the fake out with the imaginary girlfriend plot. Yes. Now we have the because that has happened on sitcoms. Right. Then we have, uh, but they quickly dispatch that by showing us she's real. And now we have the typical sitcom jealousy plot where Boimler is becomes jealous of Jet and is afraid he's going to lose Barb to, to her former boyfriend. And so he's now desperate to retain her as a girlfriend and is making all kinds of comedic mistakes. Right. And I wasn't a big fan of this because it's painful to watch him being. I don't find this particularly comedic. Um, and and it's in done. fact, yeah, yeah. It, 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 and and simultaneously, we have Mariner convinced that Barb must be a robot or an alien or something. When a Starfleet relationship seems too good to be true, it's usually because it's an alien waiting to eat you, a Romulan spy, a salt succubus, an android, a changeling, or one of those sexy people in rompers that murders you for walking on the grass, which are all TOS, TNG, and DS9 plots we've seen before. (laughs) Yes, yeah. First season a TNG plot with the people in rompers who kill you for walking on the grass. <laughs> That's right. The and and so Mariner is, starts an, a process of elimination. She's stalking as as Boimler is stalking Barb in out of jealousy. She's stalking Boimler out of paranoia. And this is another sitcom thing that has been done to death. And I wasn't really here for that. Yeah. So the first half of this episode, now the planet moon plot is fine. The B story is kind of there. It's it, 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 especially in the first half of this episode, the first half of this episode, I was lu- really lukewarm about. I thought I'm enjoying this less than I have enjoyed any of the other uh, lower decks episodes. This is really formulaic sitcom stuff I've seen before. And then everything changes. <laughs> and in all of these plots, now we've already mentioned the twist in the moon plot. The civilization is just two people. And and that's the resolution on that. And that was not expected. So it's like, wow, I'm pleasantly surprised now. Well, with the uh, the Tendi uh, Rutherford plot, um, there's a massive twist in that because they, it turns out they end up finishing their task at the same time. And twist number one, there's more than one twist, but twist number one is they both get reassigned to the other ship. And that's why they'll get to keep their T-88s, because they'll be on a ship where they can be used. Yes. And 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 the officer who's going to transfer them has made up the orders and is about to transmit them. And they're like, wait, please don't transmit those orders. And it's like, but of course I'm going to. And that leads to a game of chase and keep away where they're trying to keep his pad away from him so he can't transmit the orders. And the reason he wants that part of this is he wants to swap places with them. Yeah. 
this is but they don't learn that at first yeah. until they get they they get his pad away from him they're in an elevator he's trying to get in uh Rutherford is trying to keep him out while Tindy is trying to guess his password and it turns out his password is Riker <laughs> yes. and and then she sees on the pad this is the second twist he wants to take their place on the Cerritos and for a really clever reason, because they built up this other ship as like the heroic vessel, the top of the line vessel that does these dangerous heroic missions like imploding moons. And it's got all the coolest gadgets that Tendi and Rutherford have been geeking out over. And it turns out the officer is sick of being heroic. He <laughs> wants to go back to a more normal, low stress type job. And so he wants to put them on the other ship and take their places on on uh, on the Cerritos. And so this is a great twist. Yes. I love this. That is a and, good twist. And, and, and so that suddenly the B plot becomes much more interesting. And the same thing happens in the A plot. We've got a pair of unexpected twists at the end in that one as well. So. Beckett talks about like Mariner. She talks about her. The reason she's so paranoid, as you mentioned, she had a friend on a previous ship who was killed by a shape changer that she was in a relationship with. And I like the fact they show this previous ship is at DS9. Uh, but I don't know mm-hmm. if you noticed that. And so it was, it was Dr. DS9 when this happened. They were at the at a bar and she had this huge hair like like it's like back in the 80s sort of thing. It was kind of funny. Yeah. Like it wasn't that it couldn't have been Mariner that long did. ago. Yeah. Uh, and it, so that's why she's so paranoid. And then she, at one point she has one of those string wall charts for her conspiracy theory. And there's all kinds mm-hmm. of Easter eggs, by the way. She has pictures of the, of the salt vampire and all that stuff like that. Um, she's a complete freak out. She thinks Barb is a parasite. Um, and uh, Boimler, you mentioned, is a, acts all weird trying to oppress her. Um, let's see. Uh, Boimler and uh, Barb end up getting assigned to one of these uh, shuttle type ships helping implode the moon. And by this point, Boimler has, uh, Barb has called him on his weird behavior and he's admitted he just did it to impress her. And it's like, no, I don't want this other version of you. I fell in love with you. Let's start our day over. So they, they, so we've got that resolved finally. (laughs) And, and they go off to this other, this other ship platform. Yeah. To help with the uh, annihilation of the moon. Boimler thinks it's going to be a, an opportunity for a like sort of romantic interlude uh, in the midst of yeah. this incredibly stressful mission. And, and Mariner, and this is this is over. where we see. Yeah, this is where we see the visually blacked out body part. Yes, um, or don't see it rather. Yes, um, Mariner gets knocked out at this point, and Barb and Mariner fight over Boimler, both accusing each other of being an alien because they were acting so weird. Right. So this is the second great twist, the first of the two great twists in the A plot that that because of how sneaky Mariner has been acting, Barb is just as paranoid about Mariner as Mariner is about Barb. They both genuinely want to protect Boimler from the other. And right. so and so we have this battle with the two of them, you know, flinging stuff at each other and fighting because they both really genuinely care about Boimler and don't want him to be hurt and are convinced the other is some kind of threat to him. But we've seen this story before, Gilgamesh and Enkidu at Uruk, and so they fight and they become friends and they start, they realize they both care about Boimler, who is unconscious. And they start bonding over over their friendship with Boimler. It transfers into being a friendship between them. 
And since they have a point in common, how much they care about Boimler and they start swapping stories uh, that are amusing about things Boimler has told them. That's embarrassing for Boimler. (laughs) That's embarrassing (laughs) for Boimler. Yes. And then we get the second twist in the A plot. Right. Because because, um, Barb says, look, if it'll really make you feel better, just go ahead and scan me. And she does. It's like, okay, you're a you're a human woman. But then the scanner reveals something that she had previously gotten evidence for some kind of alien parasite. And it says parasite detected. And they go to Boimler and scan him. And there's where the parasite is. It's on the back of his head. (laughs) Right. And this is why Mariner had previously gotten evidence of a parasite being around somehow. It was Boimler, not Barb, who had the parasite. It turns out. So it turns out that the the weird relationship thing isn't Boimler's girlfriend is the is unexpected. It's Boimler who's got the yeah. weird alien thing uh, for poor Barb. It turns out the the parasite makes whoever it latches to chemically irresistible to the opposite sex. And so the only reason Barb was interested in Boimler, this this nerdy weird guy, is because of the chemical attraction of this parasite. So once removed. She's no longer interested in him, the poor Boimler. No, but she is she is unusually interested in studying the parasite. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I I need to study it. So uh we end the episode with poor Boimler uh alone again without his uh without Barb as his girlfriend. Um and and everybody has returned to their to their places on the Cerritos. Um, so did I miss any, any bit of that? I think we've pretty much covered that. Yeah, we've covered it. I, I, this episode, like I said, I was really as on, on first watch, I was disappointed with the first half of it because I didn't like the framing story particularly. I mean, it was okay. I, I thought both the A and the B stories with our main characters seemed really sitcom formulaic. And then in the second half, it all transforms and we start getting these major unexpected twists in all three of the plots. And I loved that. And so I really look forward to watching this again at some point, knowing where it's going and seeing how that affects my perception of the episode, because it it may have an effect of like, okay, now that I know what they're doing, I'm going to enjoy this a lot more. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I usually don't like those formulaic, I'm embarrassing myself sort of plots Uh, but the the twists really made this better so yeah that that was good alright I think that should do it for this time and we'll we'll take a moment to thank you our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest we could not do this without your continued financial support so that's it from us what did you think of Cupid's Errant Arrow let us know by visiting this post on Patreon and leaving some feedback or send us an email to trek at sqpn.com. You can always subscribe to the Secrets of Star Trek by visiting sqpn.com slash trek. Until next time, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me in sharing the Secrets of Star Trek. Thanks, Tom, and live long and prosper. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember... Brad, when a Starfleet relationship seems too good to be true, then red alert, man, it probably is. <laughs>